when you talk about home, I don't even think of it as place, I think of it as feeling. And so why when I go to Seoul, Korea in April, do I feel at home? I'm thousands of miles away, but there was something in my soul that was like, this is who I am. This is fully who my mother is. Welcome everybody to Ideas of Order, a podcast dedicated to answering the question, what does home mean to you? I'm Jeremiah Brent. As a designer, I'm always inspired by other creatives in this industry, and today's guest is no exception. A woman who is propelled by boundless vision and creativity, co-host of the iconic Fixer Upper and founder of an all-encompassing Magnolia entity. She is a true force of nature, the ultimate entrepreneur, and an inspiration to audiences everywhere. I am so excited and completely delighted to welcome to the podcast the one and only Joanna Gaines. I have so many questions for you. It's like a thousand, but we'll get into all of it. But just thank you so much for doing this. I'm really, really excited. The last time I saw you, I was overserved um, at Polo Bar <laughs> and um, you guys were so sweet. That was a fun night. Love going there. So it was fun to meet you both. Do you come um, to the city a lot? I would say four or five times a year. Having lived there at one portion of my life, I always tell Chip that feels like my second home. There's something about New York City. I didn't know you lived here. It was when I had the internship um, when I was doing broadcast journalism. Wow. Did you like it? I loved it. Um, and my girls have that same sense when they go there, just like, oh, this feels like it's like their favorite place to visit, too. So that's, you know, I, I have an upcoming trip with them where we'll just take a little girls trip. So definitely love New Ugh. York City. Because where did you grow up, Joanna? You're from Wichita, right? Is that where you grew up? Are you, that's where you were born. Was born in Wichita, um, a little town outside of it, Rose Hill, Kansas, tiny town. Wichita um, was probably 30 minutes away. So for about eight years, um, lived in the small town, Rose Hill, Kansas. What was it like growing up there? I'm trying to remember, like, you know, felt big, but it's a really small town. But, you know, as a seven-year-old, it felt huge. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the farming, I think a lot of that is why even here where we're at now at a, on a farm, even though I, we did no farming growing up, that sense of place and familiarity is because of Rose Hill, like lots of farmland. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I loved it. The old little roller skating rink around the corner, the small grocery store you could walk to. I mean, I just, I love small towns. So it has a special place in my heart, even to this day. The older I get, and maybe not the older I get, but I definitely find myself, we bought a little a little farm and it's like the first time that I've ever understood the fact that when you're on the farm, you're the least important thing. It's all about yes. nurturing and providing <laughs> and taking care of something. And it's such a, it's such a beautiful departure from everything else, like from yes. regular life. So I have like a newfound respect for it. I love that. Chip would, he could talk it's all special. day about that right there. Just that that yeah. gives you a different sense of purpose. These responsibilities, these things need you. Um, you know, that's what wakes them up in the morning. So I love that y'all are experiencing that with your own family. What was it like growing up in your house? Because I'm, I mean, obviously, I have a million questions about home to you now, but I'm always fascinated kind of where home began for people. Mm. Um, can you describe your childhood house and the energy in your home? What did it yeah. smell like? What did it look like? What did it feel like? Sometimes I think I'm a weirdo in that I remember, I remember with that one house in particular that I um, grew up in, and we lived in multiple homes. We we moved um, 
quite a few times, but that home um, in Rose Rose Hill, I can remember every detail. Um, the transition from linoleum to carpet, what the carpet looked like. We had plaid carpet in the kitchen, every spindle. Love. I just remember so many details that I, I wonder why. Like sometimes I'm like, it's interesting that I don't remember a lot of those details in the other homes, but there's something about that home that I can just remember the way it smells. And there'll be times where I'm with my sister and I'm like, oh, that smells like, that smells like Rose Hill. Like, you know, so even the fact that you say, what did it smell like? Um, one of the things I remember most is my mom had one room in the house that was, I guess, what you would call the formal living room. We weren't really allowed to go in there. Of course. Except, except of for course. like on special occasions. <laughs> But of course, that was the room mm -hmm. I was drawn to because I wasn't allowed in there. So I would sneak in there. And and it was really, you know, now I understand what it was and the meaning of that room for her. Growing up, we never got it. We're like, why won't she let us play in this room? This was the room that had all of her Korean furniture in it. It had all of her little mementos, you know, behind the hutch with glass. And I think it was for her the only space where she felt like this is my story fully um, displayed here in this house where every other room was just kind of for us. I, I grew up with two sisters and we, you know, we could do anything we wanted in all the other rooms, but that one room was kind of off limits. And, um, but that's the room that sticks out to me the most when I think back to my memory of home. And now it means something to me because what my mom was trying to do was feel known and seen in her own way in this one space, even though she didn't know how to articulate it then, but just the the mm -hmm. meaning behind that room and what it meant to her is so special. And if I could just capture that, if I, if there was even a picture of it, you know, I just, in my mind, it was a special room that um, I remember the most. So, but everything else was like, she was such a, a wonderful mother in that she, you know, she, she moved here um, when she was 19. So from Korea. Yes. Wow. At 19. That's so scary. I know. She had a, a harder childhood. So now when I look look at the way that she wanted to create home for us, it was it was where there is beauty, but there was also that place of safety and rest. And, and it, it came out of um, something that she was trying to make sure we felt that maybe she didn't feel so much of as, as she up. So, mm -hmm. you know, I love that. I always said my mom's my favorite decorator because she decorated out a place of just this beautiful intention that created beauty. I didn't even remember the furniture. It was just more the feeling I felt in the spaces that that felt really special to me. I feel like I'm on a bit of a crusade and it's <laughs> an uphill <laughs> battle because so much of what our design industry is and what we even do um, mm. on television is it's very transactional and it can be very temporary. Yes. And, you know, I, I was just saying, I've, I've always believed that the most beautiful spaces that I've ever been in have nothing to do with how much money people have spent, have nothing to do with the rules of design, but everything to do with the personalization and mm. these moments that people have crafted that you can feel the echo of their lives in. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm longing for. You know, I, I think about, I'll never forget the way you described your mother's house with that living room. Do you have a formal living room now in your house similar to that? No, I don't. No. I, no. you know, for, for me, um, <laughs> with five kids, it's like they wouldn't, if I told them there was a room off limits, that would be the room. You know, they wouldn't probably listen the way I listened. I feared that space because I knew my mom, you know, I mean, she was <laughs> 4'11", but Lord knows, do not go in that space. No. I don't have anything like that. Um, you know, it's just a little different for me, but 
What was it like growing up with that Korean heritage in your house? Mm-hmm. Was it something that your mother was very proud of and kind of implemented things that you've passed down to your children? Because that's a big transition, mm-hmm. you know, from 19 to come to Wichita. Yes. Last year, I, I wrote a book that where I came to terms with a lot of this. I almost think a lot of it came to light for me in my mid-40s. And when I think about growing up, I think about my mother and the period of the period she was in of just wrestling with her own identity as a mother. And so, um, to be completely honest, growing up in that small town, um, because I was half Korean, um, never knew my sense of place in the school, uh, you know, just couldn't, you know, I wasn't fully like the kids that went to school, but I wasn't fully Korean. So in that half, that middle space, just trying to, I wrestled with identity and, you know, and then of course kids, they, they'll say the things, they call you the names. I, I never felt, uh, like I wanted to bring that to my mom because I, I think even as a seven, eight year old little girl, I could sense she was wrestling with her own identity and in a lot of ways. Cause even though there, she had a room with her furniture in it, um, she was trying to, you know, she is now in America. And so she was trying to fully embrace that culture. Um, and so I, I never really went to her with mom. Why are these kids saying this? I, I kept it from her because I didn't knowing that was fully who she was. I didn't want to inflict that pain on her as well. So kind of dealt with that a little bit on my own in, in the quiet. And so I would say when you say that Korean heritage, it was there in the form of a room, but it wasn't something that we, you know, we didn't go to Korean church. We didn't eat a ton of Korean food. It was very more of this American culture. And I think that's where in some ways I kind of felt like this interesting resistance to it as a kid that I, you know, obviously I regret now as an adult, but you can't go back and say, you know, figure that out, kid. I was doing the best I could. But I do feel like as my mom got whole um, in her later years, like we all do, we come to terms with, you know, some of these realities and, and realize it's the most beautiful part of who we are. The irony is that now, you know, in April, this past April, Chip and I, we took the whole family, my my parents, my uncle, my sisters, all their kids, 25 of us no. went to Korea. Oh. And I think for me, it was this beautiful, um, how do you say this, like reunion with myself. I, I don't know. It was like when you talk about home, not even, it, I don't even think of it as place. I think of it as feeling. And so why, when I go to Seoul, Korea in April, do I feel at home? You know, I'm, so, I'm thousands of miles away, but there was something in my soul that was like, this is who I am. This is fully who my mother is. So just coming to terms with some of that has been the most beautiful thing in my life. As I look back and I see how my mom was wrestling with it, how I was wrestling with it, how home was our safe place where we felt the most seen, the most valued, the most known there, which is why I think I have those memories and it being the most beautiful place for me because when I would come home from school, I felt safe there. I felt seen there. And that's why I think a lot of that is truly at the foundation of what I try to do now with design is, yes, we want a beautiful space, but that's secondary. It's really about how do you feel when you step into this? Do you feel known? Do you feel seen? Do you feel valued? And so that's what really drives me to create these spaces. And then if you have a pretty coffee table and sofa, great. That's nice. But that's not fully why we do this. You know, everybody loves a nice piece of art, but that's not the yes. point. What did your mom feel like when you guys went back? 
she, I, I'd, I've never seen my mother. It was the weirdest thing and it's hard to explain, but my mom is now 70 and there was a, a childlikeness to her that whole week we were there as she was walking the same oh. road she walked as a little girl, but now with her mm-hmm. whole family present, the fullness of life yeah. that she's lived to also say my entire family gets to see where I came from, where I grew up. Right. Something just shifted even in her demeanor. And it's just, it's amazing how a lot of those moments are just healing, how for my entire family, we'll never forget it. The most memorable trip of our lives where it marked us in a really beautiful way. Um, and so seeing my mother act like a kid again was really mm. uh, the most beautiful thing. And and my parents met there. So even same with my dad, like he was stationed wow. there to just see, you know, where he, I was stationed here, like just seeing how their love story even came together in Seoul. Like I'm right. just telling you, that was a once in a lifetime trip for us because it just brought everything full circle. And now they're there with their 13 grandkids, 12, 13 grandkids. And, you know, it just feels like, ah, uh, it was such a gift. It's fascinating to think about, you know, the ripple of life and how, you know, you take a chance at night, you know, at 19 years old oh and then to be able to be back standing in that story with all of you there. I, I can't even imagine how it felt. I think it was that validation that this was the life that was meant for me. And I mean, you talk about years of hardship and just the transition of going from Seoul yeah. to Rose Hill, Kansas, you know, um, but that she could finally look up at 70 and go, it was worth all of that. It was worth it. And look at this life that she's created now. What a gift you guys gave each other mm-hmm. in that. You taking her there. Like it's it really, it's wild. And then you guys got to find it all at I the know. same time is also really interesting perspective. It was very special. What was the impetus for you wanting to dig in deeper to your culture? I, I think the wrestling of, you know, I, I always laugh where I'm in my mid 40s. You think, wait, what, is this a midlife crisis? This thing I'm feeling of like, I really want to, <laughs> like, I, I need a, a deeper sense of grounding to why mm-hmm. I'm doing what I'm doing and who I am and how understanding right. that fully will really drive you to more beautiful places when you really wrestle through all of that. And I think for me, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I was just really sensing this thing of, I, I want to fully embrace all of it, the pain, the beauty, the the confusion, all of it. And so for me, it was, I dug in, I, I asked my mom tons of questions and all the stuff that she answered. I never knew she was going through that as we were growing up because as kids, it's only what you're going through is all you're really fully aware of. And so um, yeah. I think for me, the last couple of years has been a journey of, you know, I'm now 45. I have five children. I have a wonderful mm-hmm. husband. I love the life that I have. But I do want that sense of grounding in my own soul, like to go, this is fully who I am. So that as I Mm -hmm. work out of that place and I love out of that place, it's as whole as it can be. Right. Explore the roots. Yes. I love that. I love that. I have to ask you five children. First of all, Five children is my absolute dream. I wish it was what happened, but we ended up with two, which I love. <laughs> but but and, the most but gorgeous how? two children. Uh, Hello. Uh, oh my god. You're gosh. one to talk. I'm in. Ugh, your kids. I cannot believe. And, and your kids are big now, which is really disturbing. Um, yes. But tell me about it. How you've got five kids. 
you, you know, it's interesting when you describe the way you grew up and because it, it sounds like I can see like light pouring in through curtains mm-hmm. and warmth mm-hmm. um, and safety. Um, mm. How um, have you created um, in your own way a space that nurtures and comforts your kids? You know, what is, what is home now with you and your children? I love that. Um, you know, and you know this and you'll experience this even more as your children get older. Every season is just different. And so what nurturing looks like in one season, you have to adjust in another season. I have four teenagers now. So uh, what nurturing was I'm five so to sorry. ten years ago, I know, which is like them on your lap and, you know, is now I them know. in their rooms and, you know, they're all teenagers, 18. Let's say I got 13 all the way up to 18. And then I have crew who's no. five who <laughs> grounds us all. Uh, God honestly. bless. Um, so every season that, that idea of nurture looks different, but I think again, when mm-hmm. I think about the intention of home and I think about what it meant to me, what my mom now will say is I never knew you noticed. I never knew, you know, the things that you remember about home, you were even noticing. And I, and I have to believe my, my kids, you know, if I were to paint the cabinets a color, they may be like, why'd you do that? But some of the intentional things I do to, to bring that, that, that sense of nurturing and even belonging. I don't know if they can put their finger on, but I hope as they get older, they've always, they will always say when I came home from school or when I came home from, you know, whatever, that the second I stepped inside, I did, I felt safe. I felt known and valued all the things that I felt that made me feel at home to want to go to home. And even as I go to my mom and dad's home now, like there is something about that. Like, how do we nurture that? So, you know, you think design is one thing, that intention Mm -hmm. of nurturing is if that's foundational and that's the first thing, everything kind of falls into place. And and in that, that means everyone's space is going to look a little different because how I nurture my five children and how, you know, we engage them and try to bring that togetherness alive in our own home is going to look very different. And so how do you value that in every space? Um, So the, the nurture piece is really important. It is, I I'm conscious of when they step in, to the house and when they step out of the house do they when they step out do they feel filled up and ready to conquer the world and when they step in after a a long day do they feel like this is my this is my place where i'm gonna um get filled up again you know so i think for me i want to think through those moments and how can i make that better as a mother even as parents chip and i how can we think through that and then i think um Mm -hmm. On the other side of just tangible together moments, you know, there's seasons where I'll put a green leather card table in the middle of the, the the room that makes no sense from a design standpoint. It actually blocks the flow of traffic and it's a bit annoying. And I'll throw a puzzle mm-hmm. on that. And I'm telling you, the first 10 minutes, everyone's like, not another puzzle. And then at the end of the week, it's done. And you'll see brother and sister sitting together. You'll see dad and daughter sitting together. And what you've done is intentionally created a moment of togetherness without saying, let's all get together. And so it's how do you create those little moments around the home, even in the way you arrange your furniture that really celebrates being together. And um, so even in those small puzzle moments, I think are the sweetest to see how they work together, how they continue to go back to the table that annoyed them a couple of days ago. And now they're like determined to finish the puzzle. So being creative in that way to even nurture that, that, beauty of being together, working together, even if it's in silence and it's just placing a puzzle piece. How do you find a way to show up for five kids? You know, because I imagine they're all different in, in so many ways, but how do you how do you show up for each of them individually? Gosh, that's such a good question. I think that's like the 
you know, we, we've got this business over here that, you know, there's so many yeah. different moving parts. And then you bring that here to home and you're like five kids, so many different moving parts, emotionally, physically, all the things. Um, and I think yeah. it is one thing I've just learned is that parenting is not this blanket statement thing. It's truly, you have to be a student of your children. You have to, you have to be very aware that all five receive love in a different way. They give love in a different way. And so the better um, so student you are to your children, the better you'll be able to interact with them. And and that's hard because a lot of the times when you're tired, you come home from work, it's easier to just blanket statement. Let's all get around the table and force conversation. You know, and it's not really about that. Some kids <laughs> need like two hours to Open process up to something. Now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, and, and for me, instead of saying every day, how do I connect deeply, richly with each kid? It's giving myself moments of, you know, today I was just thinking about my oldest. Like, how can I connect? With, you know, it's kind of like giving yourself a little grace because to say you can do mm -hmm. all of it and then have these meaningful conversations every day or these meaningful moments, you know, sometimes that magic happens. You didn't have to fight for it. And sometimes you have to be intentional and you have to fight for it. And I'll yeah. call out one of my girls and say, let's go to the garden. We're going to go cut flowers. We're going to make an arrangement. And if we don't even say a word to each other, it's just being together. That's, the, that's the special part in that. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's learning about each kid where like, I have one, one kid that loves to bake with me. And then I have one kid that mm -hmm. wants to cook by themselves. So it's like, you know, understanding that it's just different and to allow that space so that it's not this forced thing. It's this real thing that will yeah. last longer. That'll be more meaningful. Are you a different parent than you thought you would be? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm always interested to know if people, if it's the same. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I thought I was going to be this this hard ass and super like <laughs> tough, you know, I grew up in a yes. really tough family. Um, and I was like, nothing's going to happen here. It turns out I'm like, let's just, I could sit on the floor talking about the feelings. I've never raised my voice. I'm like, I, you know, it's just all the things I never, you know, yes. it's just completely different. It's very different. And I think I've surprised myself. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, you are, yeah, you need, you need time out. I mean, so I think it just depends on the day, but well, five kids, I feel like you're entitled to a timeout. Yes. Yes. My timeout in the garden Four teenagers. I know. And there I I'm about to have three that are driving, which is a whole other level of. No, nope, not allowed. I Never. can't even say it, but God knows three, three kids driving. I mean, that just alone feels like, you know, the, the more you move into those, those shifts, the more you're like, hold on. Yeah. And um, it does be go by fast. And I'm telling you, years and years, women told me this when I was in my shop, Magnolia, when it was just me and mm -hmm. Chip and Drake, are my oldest. And they would come in as their kids were going off to mm -hmm. college and they'd say, Joe, it goes by fast. And I'm sitting there kind of going, hmm, I don't know. I, it didn't like do yeah. anything. I just heard it. And, yeah. you know, it's like once that first kid gets their driver's license, from that point, it just life happens faster. I don't know what it is about that one moment. And then they're going to college and then the next one's going to college. And so, you know, that that actually, again, with as seasons change, your perspective changes, your goals change. Um, and so mm -hmm. that's what I love is just always being open to every season. Life's going to look a little different. My schedule's going to look a little different because right now my priority are these four yeah. 
teenage kids, this five-year-old little toddler. And so how do you make life work where that is the priority and then everything else falls into place behind that? Um, and so that changes constantly. One of the things that you um, wrote in your memoir, which I loved, the stories we tell. Thank you. You said, letting go reveals what else our arms are mm-hmm. made to carry. Um, how do you stay mindful of that every day with everything you have going on? I think it is that that sense of um, grounding, that it's an exercise I do, I have to do daily. Because I do feel like if I if I don't ground myself, whether that's in journaling, be getting in the garden, um, getting filled up in ways, I do, I could... I could see myself yeah. getting overwhelmed if I really look up and think about all the things that we're trying to, you know, that we have. That's it's a beautiful life that we have, but you know, you, we've got this business in town. We've got mm-hmm. these amazing employees, so that alone is there's a there's a weight to it, a responsibility that's an honor, but that doesn't just like leave my brain when I walk in the doors at home. That's always there. Um just like right. when I'm at work the responsibility of being a mother and a wife is always with me as well. So I think as you move in and out of um, your day, and as like, as you were saying with that quote, the idea that as you let go of things, it is a, for me, a seasonal shedding that I, I allow myself to go through. Like what in this season, whether that's just like this quarter, this year, this month, mm-hmm. it depends on what it is. I have to look at my life and evaluate what do I need to leave behind? What do I need to carry with me as I move forward? Because I can't do it all. And so I have to have right. these like daily, um, weekly, monthly, would call it a, it's not an analysis, but a, uh, a check-in. You know, check hey, I yeah. get that you love this, but if you want to do this as well, like you then, and so I think it is, it's, it's okay to shift. It's okay to change priorities. And so um, what I have found is, is the more you allow yourself to be okay with that, the more you allow yourself to be aware of it you'd be quite surprised mm-hmm. at what you can carry and carry well. Um, and so, yeah. but you can't do it all. So you do have to have that assessment of like, I loved this, but in this season, I'm going to let someone else do this or I'm going to drop it all together or, and so constant like inventory of all of it. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to learn that lesson. That's a hard <laughs> lesson to learn. It, it is hard because I'm sure like me, it's like, I don't want to do it all. And the delegation's You're hard like, for me. I can do it. I don't need to yes. sleep. Who cares? Yes. Let's go. Right. I really, I really yeah. do think that. I'm like, sleep, well, whatever. I know, me too. We'll both be up at 3 a.m. We can we can text each other. <laughs> do you get up early every day? Chip gets up early every day. I stay up. I can stay up late. He's early. So we try to figure out this thing because, you know, we we like to stay on each other's <laughs> schedules. But I'm like, I'm not getting up early. Yeah. He, he really is. Like this every morning, I'm like, what time did you wake up? Um, he's like a 4am kind of a guy. Yeah, that's me. I now realize as I get older that sleep makes you either look really tired or really, you know, fresh. And so I'm like, I value sleep. And so I don't, I don't need to wake Mm -hmm. up as early as I used to think because Lord knows I want to look rested and not completely exhausted. Yes. We don't bounce back the way we used to. We we sure don't. (laughs) This is Amy Devers, host of Clever. My podcast brings you conversations you're not going to hear anywhere else with the visionaries and creative forces who shape our world and culture. It's a compelling mix of raw candor and honest shop talk that reveals the humanity behind the design of the world around us. 
Clever is a proud member of the Surround Podcast Network. Head over to surroundpodcast.com or follow Clever wherever you get your podcasts. Ideas of Order is part of the Surround Podcast Network, where you can also hear shows like Design Tangents from the creators of Cool Hunting or Clever, hosted by Amy Devers. Head over to surroundpodcasts.com and listen now. We have something in common, which is we both work with our spouses, which for most people um, is very complicated. Um, But I mean, Mm -hmm. it works for us. I'm interested to hear um, what it's been like for you um, to work with Chip, Mm. because you've described, I've read about you describing how you're very different personality wise, um, and that you describe yourself as an introvert, which is the same way I do. And my husband is very much an extrovert. And so is Chip. So you guys are opposite as well. 100%. I'm like the weird guy in a corner, not talking to anybody. And my husband could talk to a wall. And (laughs) yeah, you and I could just be in the corner, just journaling away together. Yes. Reflecting, um, oh, you know, by the punch I'm table crying. by ourselves, just happy. We're like, where's yes. the cake? Thrilled, um, thrilled. So I, I love this because you know we don't meet a lot of couples that work together. I think it is one of those things where when it works, it works, and we don't. Yeah, I agree. You know, don't recommend it unless it works. Like it's not for everybody, and I think for us, it's it's a gift that that's the only thing we've ever known when we started. When we first got married in 2003, I mean, we only, that's, we just got our hands dirty. We started Magnolia. Mm-hmm. We were doing construction. Like, that's all we knew was our life together as partners, not only um, as a couple, but also in business. And so um, I think because of that opposite thing, there's a strength to that when you value each other's differences. Um, instead of me mm-hmm. trying to make Chip a little more introverted or Chip trying to make me a little more extroverted, it was really, there is a value to who I was. And, and when you respect that, I think you come together and work together really well. Um, yeah. So, you know, for me, Chip is, he, I, I would call him like the visionary, big picture, eternal optimist. He sees opportunity everywhere. Mm-hmm. And even if I see it as like something where, okay, that's a fail, he sees it as a, well, we still won because what we learned, I mean, it's just, his outlook right. on life where mine is like, you fail. That's why you stay home. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's why I'm never <laughs> doing this again. So, um, yeah. it, it's just, it's where some of my, uh, safety and, you know, where chip is like, doesn't want any day to look alike. He wants every day to be different. And like, what are we exploring? What are we curious about? I'm like every day I would love to look the same. That's how I thrive. And so yeah. it's funny when you see <laughs> that life together, how you have to yeah. find that middle place and how sometimes Chip will win and we'll go do the spontaneous thing. And in the end, I'll be like, thank yeah. God we did that. And then sometimes Chip will see on my side how maybe the way that I operate was best for that moment. So I think mm-hmm. it is just seeing the value in that. What I've learned, though, I think there's more value I've seen than what <laughs> obviously with someone who lives life, who's consistently curious, stays a learner, loves anything that's different than what he's doing because he sees that there's value in that, that that perspective, all of it. Like, I think there's more to gain from that life. And what Chip has taught me is um, that I'm a no person. Um, Even Chip will be halfway into a sentence and an ask and I'll say no, actually, before I even know what it is, because I just know naturally comes out of my mouth. 
where I realized yep. living with Chip and seeing how he lives life that the moments and the memories are in the yeses. And so anytime you mm-hmm. say yes to something, even though it may hurt because it gets you out of your comfort zone or it's going to screw up your schedule, that that's where life yeah. really is. And so it's just been really, this has been a fun partnership. Um, I feel like I've yeah. grown a lot. I don't know if I've stifled Chip's growth <laughs> because I'm like, you weren't doing that. But I think we figured out this really beautiful, magical middle place where, you know, the life that we get to do together is really, we see it as a gift and hopefully our children see that, that it's possible Mm -hmm. to work with your spouse, even though you're very different, that when you respect each other and you value that, that gosh, Chip has always said one plus one doesn't equal two in those situations. One plus one actually can equal a hundred or a thousand when you figure out how to do those things together. So and it's funny, people are always like, what's the secret? And and I don't have a secret. I think hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I I really like my husband, like as yes. a person, you know, I love, I love him. I obviously, I never imagined that I would have a love story. I never have imagined mm-hmm. that I would have a family. And I'm, and, but I never also imagined that I would, I, I really like him. Like you know, he makes me laugh. being with him. Yes. Yes. So much joy. And to your point, we are very different. I, in this scenario, I am the chip. I am the eternal optimist. I want let's I'm I'm so good at failing. I don't care if we fail a million <laughs> times. I'm fine with it. Nate is a Virgo. He likes things this way. Wow. He likes consistency. Um That's we're very funny. different in that sense. Okay. That's oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, how yeah. in that way it I'm kind in. of shifts on that on that side. Yeah. But I, I love how you I'm say an introverted that. optimist. Okay. That's which is very unique and fascinating. Beautiful. I, I, that is, you need to <laughs> write a book just about that right there. Um, but I love well, that. I mean, that's the key. What you said is, is that you truly enjoy being together. And then it's like the work that yeah. we get to tackle together, even though it's hard work at times, at least we get to do it together and we enjoy yeah. each other. And, you know, it's not like I look at him as like, and complicated partner. sometimes it's like, for sure. But it's truly like, I get yeah. to do this life with my best friend who I really like. I like, I prefer to be with you. Yeah. Um, as often as possible versus the other way around. How did you find a way to maintain like a sense of self with working with him? Um, Well, he, I think because of who he is and how he is, he actually kind of makes sure that that is at the forefront of my mind because he thinks that's the most valuable thing about me versus... yeah. Like if I can understand that fully own it. And, and, and so I, this morning I was working through something with him and of course kind of being hard on myself about it. And like, I think I did, I don't think I handled this well. And then he starts telling me about all the, you know, getting me back to that moment of, but this is who you are. And this is, you know, and I, at the time, in the moment, I just wanted him to kind of complain with me. I was like, I don't want to hear all, but you know, so I think, I think the sense that he knows that that is, the most important thing that me thinking like him actually isn't going to make any of us better. It's for me to be whole and who I am by myself is actually going to be the best thing for us. Just like Chip being wholly who he is apart from me is going to be the best thing for me. Not that I, you know, that idea of I complete him, he completes me. It's like, this is who I am grounded fully in who I am and who I know this is who I was created to be. Then I bring my best self to him. And then that's what actually makes it where I think a lot of times you can maybe depend on that and feel like, you know, that that codependent thing of 
not knowing who you are apart from something or someone. And I feel like one thing he's really nurtured is that strong sense of self and purpose. And so, you know, with both of us, he, he, he understands like my, for me, when I journal and when I ground myself, it is when you say self, deep sense of self, it's, it's who I am in, in God and who I feel like God has created me to be. And I feel like that's where Chip is always like, when he senses that I'm spiraling, he's like, go, go in the room. You get with God. Let him tell you who you are. Cause I can't do that. Go with. And, and so I even love that he even understands that, that the permission to disconnect almost there's that sacred place of knowing that is apart from anything else. Um, that is really special to me that grounds me. And so he's always pointing me back to that, which I, I truly appreciate. That's beautiful. Do you have any other rituals for yourself besides journaling that you do that are that you that are sacred? I go to the garden every day. Um, and if I could just write a book on what I learn in the garden every day, 365 days of lessons in the garden. It never fails me. There is something about nature, and you know this. I feel like a lot of I mean, when I see the way you design and you 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 get that connection to nature. And somehow I see oh, that in all your you. spaces. Yeah. And that is why it's so grounded and beautiful. Um, for me, it is, it is that daily journaling, you know, that's prayer, um, getting mm-hmm. it all out. And then I think at the end of the day, I always end my day in the garden. So no matter what has gone on, um, I kind of complete my thoughts. I ground myself in that space. Um, because it, I think when you're in nature, it reminds you it's not about you. I'm not about you at all. You know, in fact, no. all the miracles happening around you. And that's what happens to me in the garden. I get in there and then I see the wonder and I see the beauty and I see the magic. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm rightfully placed in that moment, which I think is, is, is healthy for me. And so that's very important as well. It's funny because I, um, I was, I've been, I'm fascinated. I was watching all this stuff and I've read about old age and people who live extra long. And the one consistent thing is that everybody has a garden. Wow. And I thought that was such an interesting thing because it's something you take care of and nurture. And, you know, for me, I, I appreciate you saying that about how you can see nature reflected in work because I grew up in a religious family and I read every religion and I, you know, I wow. think of religion as a language and everybody's mm-hmm. got to find their own language to get to this, to, to the source. Yes. And it was nature for me. And it was my connection with nature that made me feel connected to more. It's beautiful. And I think the garden thing, especially when we're talking there now, it's so much more important to me, especially for my children, that I want them to get get their hands in dirt and feel connected to something bigger yes. and, and and deeper. And you know, I mm-hmm. I definitely feel that pull lately. I have a random question for you. Do you like move your house around all the time or does it stay the same? Pretty much stays the same. <laughs> I used to. Wow. Mainly because the way our house is set up, you don't really have that. I mean, the room, you know, it's an old farmhouse. And so I can't move that piano anywhere else. I can't. No, you sure can't. Have you been in the same house since the kids were born? No. Oh, gosh. Poor kids. Um, This is the 12th, 12th house. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we've been in this house the longest. And I'll tell you what's really fascinating okay. is... Up until the farmhouse, we lived in maybe eight or nine different homes because Chip and I were flipping houses and then we'd be like, let's put this one for sale. Let's buy another. That was our life. Um, and then we moved to the farm and that's when Fixer Upper 
entered into our lives and we haven't moved since. And I feel like what we didn't know at the time, but now what we know today is this place was meant for our family as this beautiful retreat um, escape, like just being on a farm where all the other nine homes were in neighborhoods, which was beautiful. We loved our neighbors. We loved, you know, the block parties. But there was something about this season in life that 10 years of a whirlwind of lots of crazy and exciting things happening. We needed this to ground us here. And so when you say, am I constantly, I will say what I am doing is, you know, in little pockets of rooms where it doesn't make a big impact for my family and is not super disruptive. I play around in there. I'm always messing around in the garden, you know, seasonally. So I feel like I'm getting it out in that way, but also just with my work. I feel like when I go to the office, I'm constantly moving things around, whether that's with the retail side or if it's a home remodeling. When I get home, I don't want to do that as much. I just I like the stability of it just being the same. We've moved 10 times in 10 years, and I actually just wrote a book, nothing to do with design, but actually just the exploration of like why people never leave their homes, because it's like my dream to like have like stay somewhere for 20 years that your kids come back to it. I don't know if I'm capable of it. Yeah. But you're worse than I am. So this is very exciting for me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I need to just get a garden. You do need that. Yeah, that's my trick. I just need to get a garden. You do. What is it, the transition been like for you from working on TV to now owning your own network? I'm sure that's been quite a transition. We filmed for five seasons of Fixer Upper and Chip and I, we still laugh about the first couple of years, we were still trying to figure out our, you know, construction business. And so then you put that with production. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was literally like, how do we run this business and make it, you know, to where it actually works. And then we're filming. And so for five years, I mean, it just felt like a blur in a lot of ways, but you can understand how when you're running an actual business and that's a, when you have your own business, sometimes it's a 24 hours thing. Like it just never shuts off. And then you put production into that. It's just a complicated mix because it's hard to do both really well. And that's what we tried to figure out. And I think by the end, we, we figured out some things that worked, some things that didn't, but what a ride that was in that same time period, we had started a magazine, Magnolia journal what woke me up mm-hmm. every day In your was spare the time. I, yeah. But I think what I started realizing is when you get the spotlight off of yourselves and you can shine it on someone else, that's actually a more fun, fulfilling way to live. And that's what the magazine was mm-hmm. doing for us and our company was we get to highlight people who are passionate about what they do, tell their stories mm-hmm. that are totally different than ours and find the beauty in that. And that's what the magazine was doing. And so when this network opportunity came about, it really came from that idea of the magazine of, hey, every now and then we may want to do a show, but our ultimate passion is how do we tell stories that aren't our stories and other people's stories that are Mm -hmm. so different and that can help you see a different perspective, help you see a different point of view, help you see a different passion that you may not be interested in, but still that underlying thread is that it's what those people were meant to do, which is why it's so beautiful to watch and so fulfilling to watch. So the network shifted from spotlight on Chip and Joe and that fixer thing to Mm -hmm. we get to highlight other people's amazing stories and cheer them on. That's amazing. And we love that all of the things that are so different and diverse and beautiful and interesting, it's just like we're one big family that just tells a beautiful story of 
you know, do what you you specifically were meant to do. And in that, it's going to inspire so many other people. So it, there, it, there was a definite shift, um, but I feel like it's it's just been so much more fulfilling and rewarding when you get to shine that light on other people. Is there a part of renovating as homes on TV that you love and part that you don't love so much? The part I love is I will always be a sucker for a before and after. And that's what drives me to even if it's just hard work and grueling, it's just like, we got to get to that after because I can see it in my head, all the things in between. That's the complicated part. But just that vision of bringing something to life and telling, you know, a deeper story behind it is is something that I love so much. The hard part is the, you know, the the logistics to get there along the way, whether that's production, the construction you know, I I, I kind of operate out of like, how do I stay high, efficient, get it done? And I think sometimes with production and all the things, you know, it kind of slows some things down, construction problems. And so I just, you know, if I could just snap my uh, fingers and it just be a beautiful before and after, like a Cinderella story that's pretty quick, that's what I love. But it's, you know, it's the in-between stuff that obviously where you're learning, you're getting better every time. But I will say my favorite thing about it is that reveal moment which you can understand. I say it all the time. There's no way to describe what it feels like to just kind of walk somebody into a new life and to show them sometimes parts of themselves and a life that they didn't even imagine for themselves. Yeah. It's a really yes. unique experience that's unlike any other I've ever I've ever had. It's like helping them articulate yeah. their story and what an honor that we get to do that. It's just a, a really beautiful exercise in humanity. Mm. These shows, when they're done the right way, because at the end of the day, everybody's just looking for connection, That's um, either with people or their home That's or their it. family. Um, and I think, you know, I always think of it and I always tell Nate, you know, he's not naturally as curious as I am, <laughs> but but fun. <laughs> and I'm always interested in, in the why of everything. You know, mm. I, I could sit down and yes. talk to it, the, you know, the homeowners. I'm like, why this? Why that? What's yes. going on? But that's the beautiful part of television. Like it, you can you can learn so much about yourself and the world and people and cultures and differences in the mm. safety of your living room. Yes. Like when it when TV's done well, it's so good. Yes. Amen. Um, broad question. Yeah. But are there one or two things that you've kind of learned over the course of your career in design and working with people um, that you think really makes a house a home? I feel like it always starts with intention and story. And what I always tell my clients is, hey, I love to see, you know, they'll do the tear sheets of their inspo picks. And I, it's always helpful to, to see what they're resonating with. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like mm -hmm. the key to unlocking that sense of home is instead of what do you want it to look like? The question is, what do you want it to feel like? Because you remember Um as you grow up and you you start your own family and you have your own home is that feeling. And so I always like to start there. I think that is really the differentiator. And also the more unique, the more individual, the better. Where I think the culture we're in today with just beauty and all the pictures we see all over the internet and in magazines, it's like easy to say copy and paste, but then you don't feel that soul in that space. You feel that replication mm -hmm. or that trend. And it's really important to be inspired by it, but also set it aside and say, what do I want it to feel like? And what matters to me and my family? And let's be quirky. Let's be weird. If it's not going to. And I just think like you kind of said in the beginning, it's like this passion to just say it's not about copy paste no. anymore. It really is about individuality and 
this expression of your family and your story that makes a home the most beautiful place on earth when you do that. Um, and so that's I the key. That. I have one last very important question for you. When do you feel the most at home? I would say around the dinner table with my five children and Chip. There's something about that moment that I think is what I work towards every day, whether we get it or not. And that is saying, you know, the opposite of kind of some of what I was saying is that sometimes it doesn't have to be in the home to feel at home. But for mm -hmm. me personally, I feel the most at home around the table with my precious family, just around a meal that I've got to prepare for them, sit down and I can just be quiet and just listen and watch the life that's unfolding in front of me and just go, this is home. Mm, that's so perfect. You're the best. Thank you for doing this, Jonna. I really appreciate it. Well, I now need an hour with you, maybe next week. Let's do it. You call me. And I got questions for you, Jeremiah. Yeah, it's fine. You call me on a Sunday. We will spill all the tea. I just want to thank again, Joanna, for joining me. It's funny, when I meet people, I always associate a word with them. For her, she just exudes a warmth. There is a generosity of spirit. She is authentic and real and open and honest and vulnerable. And it's no surprise, that's why all of us have fallen in love with her. I'd like to hear more about the special places in your life that maybe you've shared with a loved one. So be sure to post, comment, or tag us on Instagram at CA Closets. Ideas of Order is a California Closets podcast. Thanks to the team behind the scenes. This episode is produced by Samantha Sager and Rob Schulte at Surround Podcast Network by Sandow Design Group. <laughs>